0: Good evening everyone. Greetings from my home, where we have been sequestered for some months now. All is well with us, uh, but we are looking forward to seeing everyone again. I miss being with people. For those who may be viewing for the first time, my name is Bob Holloway, and I'm a member of the Saturday Night Supper Club community in Castle Rock, Colorado. I usually speak at our location at the uh, a church there in Castle Rock, but uh, this will Occasion is certainly different from any of our previous teaching experience. And there's a lot that's happened in the last few months, and these um, Facebook Live and Zoom meetings are just examples of the changes we've made uh, and the adjustments we've made during this shelter-in-place order. These uh, last three months have been something none of us have ever anticipated. This is the first, at least from in my lifetime, and it really took, I think, everyone by surprise. You know, looking back even to just December of of 2019, I remember a a totally different landscape. As I recall, things looked pretty darn good. Business was booming. The economy was good. Everyone who wanted to work was working. Um, Life was good. I even heard, even when I heard the prophetic community telling us that 2020 marked a new decade in which God was going to be working powerfully in the church Um, to bring a preparation of the church for an end-time harvest. I had no idea it would look like this. I was like, oh, hallelujah, come on, God, and do it. And here we are. Um, Fast forward to May the 9th, where I am painfully aware that we are experiencing what people are calling uh, the new normal. And for some, I think it's beginning to feel more like a house arrest. (laughs) House arrest. But I think believers know that there's something more going on here than just a virus. There's a spiritual activity underlying all this fallout, and that's what I'm most interested in talking about with you tonight. Um, If I gave my attention to social media this season, things would seem pretty bleak. At the very least, confusing. Uh, Sadly, there's a large uh, amount of personal loss going on around the world. Enormous loss. Deaths, economic shaking, it's been devastating. But the, the truth is I, I can't do anything about that, only pray. My only recourse for my own mental health and for my, moving forward in my life is to stop and to turn and ask God what he knows. Now, I know that sounds simplistic and maybe even over-religious to some people. But it's the only place I can go where I can find peace and hope. In the middle of all this chaos and pain, I'm hearing people asking questions like, what's going on? What does this mean? So like many teachers in the church right now, I've gone to the Lord to make some sense of it all. And to that end, I've entitled um, the message tonight, What in the World is Going On? Now, I'm sure by now you're probably aware that there's thousands of people who voice their opinions about what they think is going on. I'm not going to address all that. I have a, a sense in my heart about that, but I'm, I'll skip over all the political intrigue and the conspiracy stuff and the extreme religious reactions. That just drives me crazy. Um, instead, I want to talk about what I think God is going to do in response to this viral attack, and that's what it is. Now I'm basing my thoughts here fundamentally and foundationally on the beliefs that I'm going to share with you in two or three points just so you know this is the basis the foundation of my belief. Um, and This is based on Scripture and my experience with God over the last 30 years. And So let me give you an example. For instance, I am convinced that God did not cause this disease that's come upon us. And as I look at the life of Jesus um, I think it gives us a perfect image of who God is. His words tell it all. We are told with certainty, from Jesus himself, in 1 John one five, God is light, and there is no darkness in Him at all. So God is not the author of sin. He's not the author of evil. And to settle the question, I think, on the of His, his God's nature, we need only look to Jesus' words in John ten, where He says, "The thief comes to steal." kill and destroy. It's one camp. One system of spiritual emphasis and influence. And he says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. We have the two in contrast. One is death and destruction. One is abundant life. So God's nature is demonstrating what he does. And everything he does through Jesus is life-giving. I also believe that God saw this pandemic coming. And his words in Romans 8 still ring true. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God. Now, in case you believe that somehow Satan has pulled off some kind of cosmic ambush and taken God by surprise, let me just say this. Biblical scholars for thousands of years have agreed that God is omniscient. That's a word they use to describe him as being all-knowing. He knows everything, including all that has happened, all that is happening, and all that will happen. There's nothing God is unaware of. I think including and down to the unspoken thoughts in our hearts. Nothing takes him by surprise or catches him off guard. God's described in, in even in Job 37 as him who is perfect in knowledge. And so God has promised us that nothing in all of creation will keep him from loving you. Certainly not sickness or economic downturn. and Nothing in the natural or in the supernatural, in heaven or hell, can cause us not to experience God's love. So with that in mind, let me turn to a passage in John 5 and answer one other question. This is where Jesus tells us, "My Father has worked even until now. He has never ceased working. He is still working, and I too must be at divine work." So it's true that God is still working even in this confusing seasonal quarantine, God is up to something. Now what appears to be a standstill in my opinion, is really a test of the will of God's people. What will we do with this break from normal? And by the way, this is not the first time the church has been told to go home and stay there. We'll read from Acts 2 in a moment. Let me just preface that. i give you the backstory in Acts 1 of what is unfolding here. We're told that just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he left instructions for the apostles. And he instructed them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift I told you about, the gift the Father has promised. He says then, he says, for John has baptized you in water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So moving forward then in Acts 2, Jesus forewarns his followers by saying that there's a looming event coming in their future. And the event he talks about begins to unfold in verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, the the day it was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Here they were. They had gone as instructed to their room, and they had waited. And for 40 days they had sheltered in place and waited for the promise of God to come. Now, we don't know what happened as they waited. Um, But we do know this. It couldn't have been easy. Death awaited them outside because of the persecution of the Jews. So they were practicing what we call social distancing. <laughs> and certainly that applies to us today in the same manner. Outside lies the the possibility of death. Should we venture out, we're meant to be in place and doing something while we're here. There's something that occupies our time besides Netflix Netflix. And um, you know, HBO. So it couldn't have been easy. But here they were, 120 people gathered in one room for days on end, with only a promise from their leader. So I, what the question that comes to my mind is this: What did they do in that upper room as they waited for the promise? It couldn't have been inactivity. I mean, you would just absolutely lose your mind in 40 days with 120 people in a room. Um, if you didn't have something that you were doing to occupy your time, I believe they were they were actively doing something. I believe they were doing what they were, had been prompted to do. And when he told them to go away, I believe that there was something that they were moving through during this time. It's my belief that they prayed and encouraged one another. I think we can all agree that's probably one of the things that the first church would have done. They certainly would have been, they'd been taught to pray. They'd been taught through modeling to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, to work through their problems, to practice forgiveness, all of those things. I think they were presented during this time also with revelation from God that prepared them for what he was about to do. Now, as they prepared themselves, or presented themselves, I mean, to the Lord in corporate prayer, they were influenced to prepare themselves for the coming of the promised one. I think this time was the beginning of, of a radical change of the church. I think it began here. I think they had gone into this cocoon in one form, one nature, and they would mer- emerge in a different form altogether. I think historically there are some different ways people wait. I want to talk about those for a moment so you have an idea of what waiting looks like. Because it can look like a number of different things. Some are good and some are not so good i see at least two and there's probably more but the first one that comes to mind is what i call passive waiting now we can see this lockdown or inactivity as punitive or punishment we can become angry and resentful and bitter and think that god's left us and we're alone and we could even try to and we even might even want to move to try to grit our teeth and endure this time out simply becoming fatalistic and just saying, well, whatever, right, we'll move through this somehow and then just take a nap. That's the way some people respond. Either way, as we passively wait, we become victims to our circumstances. Life begins to control us rather than us controlling life. And the waiting becomes a lockdown rather than an opportunity. But there's another waiting that we will call active waiting. Now active waiting looks like someone maybe sitting in a chair, leaning forward, poised um, to stand at a moment's notice, wait on his feet. This person is focused on what is before him. He's wide awake. He's anticipating that something is about to happen and he's ready to respond. He is active in his waiting. He is awake. I recently heard a story about a man told about his young grandson who was being awakened by his mother. There's something I want you to see in this story. So as the mother came to the sleeping child, she put her hand on his shoulder and began to gently shake him. And she just continued until he began to gradually become aware of her presence and he began to rouse himself by first opening his eyes and looking about and trying to orient himself to where he was and what was going on and um, become aware of where he was and who was shaking him. And as he gradually became awake, he wiped out the sleep from his eyes and he began to focus. And he looked up to see his mother. And his response, as he recognized the gentle touch and her caring face, he responded with a smile. Now, I've used that man's story to illustrate a point. As we pause in this Forced time out. Our hearts are being prepared. The first order of business is to awaken to the Lord's shaking. He is gently shaking us in, in this time of waking, so that we are waiting, so that He might arouse us to a focused state, an active waiting posture. As we clear the cobwebs from our hearts, we receive His promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit to be and to do all that he's called us to do. As we see him, we will will find ourselves observing him and being transformed by what we see. He will actually imprint on our hearts part of who he is. As God's people, we want to see ourselves as hidden away rather than prisoners. And in the time we have, we want to use wisely to ready ourselves for what God will do when he comes. Actively waiting people are the ones who have chosen to see through the veneer of hopelessness. to, To look beyond the natural into the supernatural What is behind all this activity? There's something there we want to see, and we will be permitted to see that as we stop and wait and gain uh, a clarity through awakening. I don't know how many of you have been listening to TV or listening to different places, people talking about or making reference to this movie Groundhog Day. And I think most people are just referring to the endless cycle of living the same day over and over again nothing changing it's repetitive in nature and nothing is happening except the the continual loop time loop but i want you to see something more in this story there's a lesson that i want us to see something was happening to that character as he lived out that day over and over and without intending to do so He was being changed each recurring day. You remember he made adjustments in each each day as he became aware of the fact that um, as he engaged people, he learned more and he made adjustments. So the next day he came back to that scene or that scenario with that information and was able to engage with a greater knowledge, more understanding of what was happening. And I want you to know, I don't know how many times this thing occurred or recurred, but it was a bunch. And so through this whole thing, we see the change of this man, not just his behavior, but in his makeup. Who he is begins to emerge as a different person in nature. The man who emerged from that story was changed in the waiting. Some larger force had seized him um, and slowly but sovereignly transformed him and to a man that was in, he was intended to be. And so it will be with us if we use this time wisely. I think there's something about this time that calls to us to engage it so that it's meaningful, that it actually accomplishes what it was meant to do. Does that make sense to you? See, our job in this season of sheltering in place is to do the things we can to prepare ourselves for his coming. I think it's consistent. The storyline is the same. I think it's playing out again. And I could be wrong. But at the very least, let's use this time appropriately. Let's use this time in a way that's useful and effective. Um, as I was thinking about what that would look like, I was thinking, how would we do that? How would we make ourselves ready during this time? So I thought about what came to mind was the fact that we we used to hear it like if, if somebody was coming to our home and they maybe somebody from out of state and they were going to come and stay with us for a time, what would we do to prepare ourselves for their arrival? Well, I don't know about you, but in our house, when we knew someone was coming, we would suddenly be in a flurry of activity, all hands on deck. And we would feverishly begin to clean up the clutter and we make everything more presentable. Everything would get thoroughly clean. The bedding would be washed. Even if it was clean already, it would get freshened. And the garbage would get carried out and everything put in order. And we would even change out of our sweatpants and put on our best clothes. (laughs) That's appropriate, isn't it? I can only imagine if this visitor that was coming were someone special or famous, what it might have been like. So I had to ask myself: Is the coming visit of the Holy Spirit in this day anything less? Here's some things to consider. In this downtime and inactivity, uh, would you consider this? Would you consider looking this and making yourself ready for a friend's visit? If you have the time, and you do, some of you are still working. Some of you are just um, engaged in different things, but. There's time here for us to do something different. We've always said we didn't have the time, but now we do. And so what what might we do? Here's some thoughts I had. First and foremost, I have determined to practice putting my trust in God during this time of fear and anxiety and all these questions. Honestly, I, I think I need to rehearse some better thinking. Not only what I believe about God, but um, beginning to pray out loud things that celebrate him and, and to rehearse the things he's done for me so that I get my mind in the right pers- perspective and, and order. I need to get my head and heart um in the right place. And I can't do that without devoting some time to it. Uh, I immediately thought of David's response in uh, Psalm 27. I love this, where he says, My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. <laughs> and that's what we're hearing today. I hear the Lord saying, come and talk with me. And my heart says, Lord, I'm coming. And so I'm going to make the most of my time. And I'm going to use it wisely instead of squandering it. Um, by that I mean, i be like David again in, in Psalm 26, where he says, I'm going to ask God to come and examine me, see if there's anything in me that offends him so that I might do business. I might confess that and be done with it and rid myself and purify myself, make myself presentable, put on my best clothes, clean my house, that sort of thing. I've been personally assured that there is a sovereign move of God coming to help us. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, and it will come as the empowering grace to respond to God in his work. He has assured me, he has spoken to my heart and impressed on me that what I could not do before, he will empower me to do. I think that's a message for the body of Christ. What you could not do before with your programs and your religious activity and everything that the church was doing, what you could not accomplish in your society, in your culture, in your commission, in your ministry, I will now come and help you. If you will trust me and wait and not leave this place until I come for you. Next time I speak, I'm going to continue this story in Acts 2 because there's something more I want to share with you that the Lord gave me that's um, really important. I'll do that in our next session. What did God do with the first church that applies to us today? What can we anticipate? What happened to them that changed the world? You'll want to hear this message, I think. So check for it in our upcoming dates. So let me do this. Let me just pray for you. And um, just like me, I want you to determine in your heart, purpose in your heart, you're going to spend some time with God, preparing yourself for his coming. So let me pray. Father, thank you for what you're saying to our hearts. For whatever reason, we've been unable to still our hearts over the past years and now find ourselves forced to be still. We thank you for using this time to speak to us, as a loving Father, full of grace. It's a this is an invitation you've given us to join you in something. It's not correction or judgment. It's it's a message of come up here, step step up. Here we are, just as we are, and we know full well we still need a Savior. Jesus is His name. Thank you for our Savior. We look to him today to come to us in spirit and once again, fill us and equip us to love you and others just as he does. We give you our hearts as best we know how, and we count on your grace to bring us into your will. We give ourselves to that. We surrender to you as best we know. We open our hearts to you and ask you to come bring the power and grace to change us from the people we are into the people we want to be. So we thank you that you are still the faithful, holy one. Amen. Goodbye and love to you all.